I don't think anybody comes into college. Oh, very few people come into college with one major and leave with that major. You know, I think I think it, college changes you. You grow up. You know, and I think you know you want your kids to have a good job, but more so, you know, like as as you keep saying that, you want your kids to be happy. You know what I mean? You want your kids to be happy, and if you can, go, I feel like if you go to a job and you don't hate going to that summer every day, then you won. What up, what up, what up? This is Three Brothers No Sense. I am Tavares Ferguson, joined with my co-host Buff and Rozzy, and I'm happy to say we have a special guest, uh, someone that's near and dear to Rozzy's heart. I'm going to let Rozzy introduce him. It's one of these people that uh, Byron was going to let me introduce, but uh, he felt Rozzy was going to do it better, and Byron's interpretation of him is this smart motherfucker, so... <laughs> Roger, please introduce this smart motherfucker to the rest of the, the, rest of the world. Yeah, that's pretty much uh, how we think of them, too. That's the uh, smart motherfucker on the line. Uh, I want to introduce y'all to my trade dog, Brandon Davis, and I'll, I'll put the doctor in front of it, Dr. Brandon Davis. Uh, he's the assistant professor uh, at, of law and society at the School of Public Affairs at the University of Kansas. That's a mouthful. I know him as my trade dog, line brother. Love him uh, since 2002 when we first started uh, hanging out, trying to yeah. be on the be the bros. Uh, and yeah. then uh, finally crossed in 04. So it was a long time coming for us, crossing 04 with them. Um, and, you know, long nights, road trips, hanging out with the bros. But um I'll let you guys. You, you, you trip, by the though. end of the episode, you guys will see why we call him this smart motherfucker. This dude knows so much about so many things, man. So uh, we had to get him on for <laughs> Black History Month. We wanted to uh, to pick his brain a little bit. So Brandon, welcome to the show, man. Uh, thank you, thank you, man. thank you. So Brandon, my first question is: you have to tell the people what the Associate Chief Justice of Law Law and Order Society. <laughs> <Chief> <laughs> Yeah, whatever Rodney oh. said. You, you tell us, tell us what that is. <laughs> All right. Well, I work in a, a public policy school, and public policy schools usually have different areas of uh, disciplines, different areas of concentration. So I work in the section that studies law and society. So essentially, uh, my research focuses on studying law as a social institution, uh, and so uh, specifically, what I look at is American politics, because I'm an Americanist, I have my PhD in political science, but also race and ethnicity, obviously law and society. And I'm interested in like theoretical and also empirical approaches to institutions, uh, participation, and criminal justice, uh, particularly. So basically you're telling people you for everything black. Yeah, I'm from everything black. <laughs> uh, <laughs> my type of dude. <laughs> yeah. So just to let you know, trade out um, the the format of the show we ask questions it's, it's off the cuff man so this mm -hmm. is not gonna be a um i guess this is not academia to put it lightly <laughs> <laughs> so so we want your raw and uncut okay all right well before we get started fellas how was your week so far well last week uh, last week was groovy man I, I went to um i was at pitt university of pitt for two days giving a talk at their policy school so it was all good. Okay. Nice. What about you, Ra? 
Um, I, I did not give a talk at any uh, school. I tell you that. <laughs> nah, I'm um, I'm just excited because uh, Netflix has the Five Element Ninjas, which is a 1980s kung fu movie. It was the first kung fu movie that I ever saw as a kid. And so it's on there. I've been watching it uh, for the last two days. I've just been watching it on repeat because um, it's bad. It, it, it's a Shaw Brothers, like classic. You know, they talk in Japanese. Their mouths move different than the English version. The that type of thing. Yeah, super bad voiceover. <laughs> um, the blood, it, it, you can tell it's corn syrup. I mean, but it's just one of those things, man, that it's the nostalgia of it all. Uh, so I've been, I've been hanging out with it. <laughs> All right. I don't know how to follow up, man. What about you, Buff? What's been going on with you, man? Not too much at the workplace, man. I uh, had a good weekend with the missus on Valentine's Day. Nothing big. Just went out to dinner. That's about it. And uh, also, I got back on my writing, too. So for those of you that want to check that out, go to fake news syndicate syndicate.com. I uh, got a couple of articles on there. Check it out. Been posting it on Three Brothers page. So uh, I appreciate your support. You can criticize, you know, support, love it, whatever you got to say about it. Just check it out. That's what's up, man. Well, did the missus enjoy her uh, her V-Day? Better yet, don't even answer that. Did you enjoy your V-Day? You know, because we always, we always lean to, like, what did you do for your wife? What did you do for your lady? Whatever the case may be. And Valentine's is not a day that we're supposed to just show our love. It's a day. Of, it's the day of love. So supposedly. So hey, man, did she I, make it a special day for you, too? I did. She did, man. She stepped up. She's gotten so good with her gifts over the few year, last few years, man. So I got to give her props. Well, man, uh, what about you, Rizy? How was Valentine's? I know you guys really don't celebrate as that much. We don't. Uh, it was weird. What we did is I, I told you guys I've been working at the condo trying to get it ready for a renter, that type of thing. And so I was there for most of the day on Friday. And it, it's kind of cool. We What we did is a little picnic type thing at the condo. She uh, brought, I knew you were about to say that. Yeah, it was kind of cool because that was actually like our first real Valentine's Day because we, we were pretty new on our first Valentine's. But the second Valentine's Day, we actually had Sophie. She was a baby. And so what we did is we had a little picnic at the condo with Sophie uh, there with us. And I'll never forget, Jenica called herself going to buy some wine and ended up buying communion wine. So <laughs> so we ended up <laughs> drinking communion wine <laughs> for Valentine's Day. But um, so what we did is we actually just came back to the condo. She, we put our air mattress up. Um, we turned on Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And ate sushi uh, for Thanksgiving, man. It was a good good night. Valentine's, by the way. Yeah. Ninja Turtles, the movie or the cartoon? The movie, the original. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. That's on Netflix as well. Ne yeah, just I saw on, that's on Netflix. Yeah. So we, what we do is we do this thing called uh, Family Movie Night on Fridays. And so we had to watch something that was kid-friendly. So we ended up watching that. Well, I'm going to tell you what I did. My wife loves me so much. I've been traveling for the last two weeks for work. and um. Let me rest and sleep, dude. Like, I really needed it. I was drained. I think Valentine's, I was in the bed by 9, 9.30. Tried to step and watch a movie with her, and I was just done. But um, we really celebrated, I guess, Saturday. It wasn't even a celebration. It was just us doing something special for each other. So basically, you know, uh, she had the day to herself. 
when we got our hair done, nails done, you know, all this stuff, went to a spa, we got up and went to a movie, went to uh, see the photograph, which is a, a pretty decent movie, I guess. But yeah, you know, I was going to ask had anybody seen it? How, how did it? It? It's pretty good. You know, I, I'm going to go see it because I support everything been, black with a good message. That's should have been up your alley. Yeah. Because with a good a, message. Wasn't it a love movie without the trauma? Actually, it was. It was very rare. But I also talked about that. I'm like, recently we've gotten better. When we're talking about the 90s and the early 2000s, but that's a whole other subject. True. But no, it was pretty good. Uh, she She liked it. I, I tolerated it, so that's good for me. I'm not a very uh, romantical, if that's word. I don't really get into those, so but it was good. We enjoyed ourselves, went out and had some drinks and had some good talk, so good conversation. And we dropped the kids off, and actually, we dropped the kids off Saturday morning, so she kind of had the day to herself. I had the day to myself when we got together that night, and it was just uh, connects for a much better day, so... Anything I miss? Uh, have you guys caught up on the XFL? Nah, that's a no for me, dog. That's a no. Well, I guess I watched it because I didn't get to watch the NFL. So, but it's been pretty decent. You know, I've seen some decent games. I've watched parts of the game. So, check it out. It's it's interesting. They have what, some decent. What's the thing teams. that stands out the most for you? Like, what's the difference in the XFL and the NFL? I think it moves faster. I think the clock is continuous. So it's, you know how the NFL, like two minutes on a freaking game clock can last five minutes. XFL is just moving. Like the two minute drill is a little different. They slowed it down. And plus they, they can't kick extra points. They have to go for three, two or one from different uh, yard lines, but it moves faster. It's all the stuff that makes NFL or college football boring sometimes. You're like, oh my God, just play like another penalty. Oh, they're reviewing it. It takes five minutes to review it. No, they actually have somebody in the booth reviewing it and telling the, the ref on the field like, oh yeah, that was a touchdown. That's Real crazy quick. too. So, That's crazy because an NFL game lasts about three and a half hours, but studies show that it's like only 11 minutes of actual action and the rest of it is just all that other stuff. Yeah, so I mean, they've taken out some of the good. I mean, some of the things that you probably complain about. So yeah, it's pretty like, good. I mean, pretty like de- it's decent. That's what internationally people complain about uh, football or American football from like soccer and those types of games where it's constant action the entire game, um, even if it's not high scoring. So um, that's cool that they 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 made, they made those changes. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll watch anything right now. I'm getting to that point where, you know, that withdrawal, college football is over, so mm-hmm. considering I've been watching NFL consistently, I've watched a game or two over the last, what, three, four years since I've been uh, taking a step back, so really can't complain. But since we pubbed XFL and they're not paying us, let's talk about somebody who is. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, we're back. Three brothers, no sense. We're joined with a special guest. 
We know him as Brandon. You guys might not remember his name, but you'll probably remember him as, as the smart mother. So we're going to start the show off as usual. And you know what? I'm going to defer my question to Rozzy. Ah, okay. Um, so it, it's weird. Um, this is a perfect time for me to ask this question. I had it queued up for next week, but I'll go ahead and ask it. Uh, you guys know that census time is coming, or you may not have known, but uh, this year is the census. And uh, I think it's around April, May is when they actually do the census. Uh, and the census is they use it for a whole bunch of stuff, right? Like um, funding for schools and, and how they allocate things. But the biggest thing is how many congressmen you get are based off your population. So my question, I've heard a couple people say it is, or I'll tell you, I've heard a couple people say that minorities or underrepresented people in say red States uh, shouldn't uh, like fill out the census. And so my question to you guys is, should we fill out the census if we're in a state that we know usually underrepresents us or, or, or misrepresents us? Should we uh, actually not fill out the census and let those Congress people go to other states that might help us more and have a higher um, like growth rate? So kind of to cue it up. I think they're talking about Texas and California may end up put, picking up one or two Congress uh, people or seats. And Alabama is slated to lose one, maybe even lose two Congress seats uh, based on the census or where they're thinking the census is going to shake out uh, this year. So should you should you fill out the uh, census is the question? Yes. <clears throat> OK, well, uh, short answer is yes. I think you should fill it out. The reason being, I would say that because you've already said that Texas is going to gain seats. California's probably going to lose seats because Californians are moving to Texas. They're moving to Idaho. They're moving to other states outside of California because the taxes are so high. So they might lose a congressional seat and Texas might gain a couple of congressional seats. Uh, the, 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 and that, that will be called reapportionment. Uh, yes, that affects the House, House districts. But I would say the House seats are important. They're, they're important. But the real, um, I guess, imbalance is in the Senate, right? Every state gets two senators, right? So Kentucky gets two senators, North Dakota gets two senators, Wyoming gets two senators. And that's where you have a large imbalance of partisan representation because you have two senators from California who have as many people as there are probably Central Europe. And then you have Wyoming that's probably got 300,000 people and they got two senators. And so the real imbalance is in the upper house. You know, the, the lower house, yeah, reapportionment. Um, you know, if you don't fill it out, uh, you know, they may lose some seats and they might lose a seat, but you're talking like a seat is 750,000 people or something. So you had a lot of people have to not fill it out in the same district in order for that district to dissolve. So I think that's probably more, you know, fanciful than it would be like a, a reality. I think you should do that because you'll mess around and not lose the seat and then lose money for education. Because mm -hmm. it's not perfect, right? It's not like you got to have 750,000 on the dot 
to be perfect to get the district. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't risk that. Uh, I'm going to have to agree with Brandon that you should fill it out. It sounds like the problem more so when it comes to representation is gerrymandering because you, if you, by you not filling out that census, to me, it sounds like it's going to, all it's going to do is just make that congressperson in that state even more powerful. Cause I believe like a state like Delaware, like Brandon was saying, every state has two senators. I think they have two senators. Well, I know they have two senators, but I think they only have two at the most three congressmen. So congressmen from Delaware are almost just as powerful as those two senators. So you're lessening your representation in the house and creating like a bigger gap in the representation of white people or whatever in that certain state. So you definitely should uh, fill it out. And just let's work on stopping this gerrymandering to where they make your district almost invalid. But you want as much representation as possible in Congress, because I know he argues that the Senate is maybe a little more powerful than the House. But I mean, the House, they definitely have a lot of good um, responsibilities that are just Mm -hmm. maybe even more important than the Senate in some aspects. So, uh, you know, the bills start with them. So we want as much representation as possible. I definitely, I, I want to say I agree. Um, and I think it's not just because of the big picture, you know, the House and the Senate. I think also looking at just the local level. I mean, we were talking about school, understanding what's going on in your district, what's, under, what's going on, you know, as far as schools and stuff like that. I think um, a good example of of not filling out the census happened, I want to say, in Chicago, I'm looking at thinking of I'm going back to the color of law when Chicago was dealing with serious redlining, and not only were they were dealing with redlining, people weren't filling out the census, so they weren't getting adequate numbers. So they're saying in Chicago at this time they were dealing with a lot of households that had two or three families, but they're going off the prior census numbers where it was a family of three staying in one house or a family of four staying in one house. And all of a sudden that family of four goes to a family, I mean, a a household with two or three families and it's six kids. And so when they're building these schools and stuff like that, they're building it based off of those numbers and they need to understand what's really going on in our communities because we need the money. We need to understand what's going on, how to uh, reapportion those dollars that we really need and also to show that we're there. I think I think in politics, a big part of it is, is where they expect us not to participate and not to know what's going on. And I think the census is a good way of showing that, hey, we're there, we're participating, we're, we're letting you know we're here. And to me, it's almost the census is one step under the vote. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Like the vote is actually the action. The census is like the call to say, like, once again, we're here. Like, hey, you might need to get your together because you thought it was 55, 45 white to black in this in this this district is really 65 percent black. You might need to do some things that benefit us as well. Now, will it work? Who knows? But I, I mean, it, it's we can't afford not to, I guess. I, I don't know, man. 
Yeah, that that's kind of what I was thinking. The the same thing. My my response actually on one of the posts that I saw, I actually went on. It was like, take this down. All you're doing is actually making our community even worse off by saying, don't do it, don't do it. But it's the same argument with folks who talk about, you know, my vote doesn't count. I'm not going to vote because it doesn't matter and that type of thing. I mean, you know, it's folks talk about politicians and how they're they're two of the same. They're cozy with each other and this, that, and the other. And my thing about it is those folks, you, you all have coworkers that believe something different and might have a different ideology, but you don't go and you don't like roll your eyes and not talk to them. I mean, those folks are going to be cordial with each other, you know, throughout while they're talking, while they're discussing and they can disagree on policies and they can debate policies and everything and still walk out of there and go have lunch together and dinner together. I mean, that's okay. That's actually what I want. I want somebody that can actually have a, a, a conversation, vote what they feel, because that's how we get better at passing good laws and everything that actually can pass instead of just saying the left wants this, the right wants this, and they can never come to a compromise and actually get anything passed. That's kind of what we're dealing with now with everything. So I definitely agree. We need to go out. We need to vote. We need to uh, do the census, uh, fill it out. Here in Alabama, that is uh, something that I'm really going to be pushing for, and you guys will hear me talk about it a lot, is uh, when you get a chance, make sure you vote or make sure that you fill out that census and get it right. Know how everything happens. And so uh, I'll get the, the specifics on it, but anybody that's living in your house at the time or the cutoff date, you need to put them on your census. So if somebody's living on your couch, and I think that's a lot of times what happens is, People are underrepresented on the census. Uh, Like Farrah talked about, we might have 60% population of black in an area, but, you know, maybe 10, 15% of those folks, we don't even put on the census because I'm grandma and nephew is living on my couch. So they're not going to actually, you know, fill a census out. But I don't know if I need to put them on my census or not because they're just living on the couch. So they really don't live here. That type at least of she's thing. filling it out. Most people, I know people that don't just just don't fill it out. Like let's let's be honest. In our community, it's not well. Grandma didn't put uh, Uncle Uncle Ned on there. Grandma threw that shit away. <laughs> I don't want them in my business. Yeah, they, they right. gonna mess around. They gonna mess around and take my social security. Like right. somehow, yeah, some, somehow the census is tied to her social security. Like it's <laughs> it's we have to understand and we have to just like we talk about getting people out to vote, like. When it comes to our community, voter registration has definitely increased as of late. Like our 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 our, our drive to increase that and represent ourselves at the polls, but we rarely talk about the census. It's like mm-hmm. we never talk about, hey, make sure we go out and fill it. Like there's um the chapter I'm in, Roe Beta Beta here in Houston, we had some people come out there to our lat well, our chapter meeting the prior month. And talk about all these grants that the census has to help make people aware of what's going on and to get people to go out and feel the census. So we're participating in that, not just because of the grant money, but because it's, it's our, our, our civic duty to go out there and just say, hey, let me tell you what's really going on, why this is important, why you need to participate in this, because they're they're having a tough time getting people to take part. You know, mm-hmm. we we barely get people to go out and vote. Now I got to fill out the census. And I'll be honest, 
I'm 39, almost 40. I've been on my own since 1999 until recently, probably the last three or four. I didn't feel like no damn census because it was just something else. Like, I don't got time for that. And I just, I threw it away. I think it's just something we don't know enough about. So I think even before we don't know enough about it to make an educated decision as a group, I think like this is the random person, not, not the people on this podcast to say, don't fill it out or do fill it out. It's, Hey, you just need to fill it out. Like, yeah, I mean, you don't I, even know I, I would, why. You don't even know the downfall of not filling it out. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead, yeah, Brandon. Yeah, yeah. I, I would, I would, I would agree. It's, it's very important to fill it out, and I, that's another reason why uh, the current administration tried to put those immigration questions on there. Yeah, they want to put those okay. immigration questions on there so people would be scared to fill it out, and the people when those areas would be my majority minority districts, major cities where there are a lot of uh, people of color, and they would want to make them scared to to, to put their uncle who's undocumented on the on the thing. Because then they have to also say, is he a citizen or not? Or is she a citizen or not? And so that thing was was made to build on that fear, right? There's a, black people have a different fear of government, right? We have a fear of government from Tuskegee, you know, experiments and, you know, uh, all kind of biological testing and stuff, you know, post-slavery or during, during slavery. But then, you know, Hispanics, you know, have a different fear of government, right? The, the, the deporter in chief. And so, you know, they, they put that on there to make people have fear to not fill it out. It wasn't because they really cared to know who was documented, who wasn't documented. No, they wanted to intimidate people not to fill out that census report. So they would take districts from Democratic areas or, or Democrat as the party areas, and they'd be able to move those districts to areas where uh, it was more white and rural. If you're someone who was excited about the Obama presidency, filling out the uh, census is very important also because you know, the posters and everybody involved in that campaign, they use they use that kind of data to let them know where they can be competitive in. And w- one of the reasons he was able to beat McCain in 08 was because he competed in so many states that Democrats hadn't competed in in years. And, and McCain pretty much ran out of money. It was like he's competing in North Carolina. Obama won North Carolina. And, and like, I think. If I'm not mistaken, he right. He couldn't even McCain couldn't even compete in Pennsylvania because Obama had stretched him so thin based on the data they were using that hey, we can be competitive here, we can be competitive there. And now some studies are even showing that Texas, Texas in like a, maybe a decade or so will be something that the Democrats can seriously compete on on a national level. And once they get Texas in their pocket, it's a wrap for them. Yeah, it's yeah, uh, Texas. Is, Texas is going to be competitive this year. It's going to be the yeah, like you said. Okay, you have a lot okay. of you have a lot of people migrating. You have a lot of people migrating. A lot of people in California. Te- yeah. Yes, you have a lot of liberal people migrating to Texas, especially like the Houston and Dallas area, the major cities, Austin. Um, Man, I, I went to Austin. They said that they had five hundred people a day moving to Austin. Yeah, wow. it is no state tax. I mean the. Texas, Texas is where it's at. I'm, I can't even lie. You know, yeah. uh, you take the politics away huge. from it. That's huge to be able to uh, have no state tax and still uh, do well as far as funding everything that they fund as far as social services and everything like that. Because that's one of the things when I was in the ALI uh, retreat we talked about and I brought up the problem Alabama has is we're broke. We are one of the lowest tax states in the nation, 
but we don't have anything in our general budget. So the problem is, you know, it, it's it's easy to be like, yeah, I'm just going to work this part-time job and live on uh, the U.S.'s couch. But at some point, Alabama has to get up and get a job ourselves and actually start making some money ourselves instead of living off of the United States tit, because that's where we're at right now. Yeah, Alabama doesn't have enough natural resources to sustain that kind of low tax base, yeah. that kind of low tax rate. We don't yeah. have like the oil fields of Texas. We don't have the coal fields like that. We don't have the natural gas fields like that. So it's Alabama. It's, it's very difficult to have a state to have low taxes like that. And what's Alabama's industry? Resources. What's Alabama's main uh, industry? Industry. Agriculture. It's shipping. Automobile. Yeah. yeah automobile. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so yeah, you got the port, you got all the shipping stuff um, yeah, port, and, and okay. ports in uh, Mobile, and then you got they the build ships, they built the Airbus. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, and, 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 and the problem you. is like the black belt, um, all that that idea of the the super black sand or the black dirt that you know you can grow anything in, that's starting to go away because we've over like grown it and, over-farmed, and yeah. over-farmed it. And so at this point, the black belt is almost no longer the black belt. It's starting to be the, the, um, like clay, clay belt. Oh, that's up. I would hate to see that for Alabama. They can't afford it. But I mean, uh, that was a good question, rising. So for anybody, the resounding answer is yes. Just in case you missed it. I know we talked in circles for a while. Yes. Fill out the damn census. Um, we can't afford not to. The, the good outweighs the bad. And I think it, it behooves us all to become more knowledgeable of what the census is and what it's for. I think that's that's something else. It, we rarely talk about the census. You know, I think that that's the probably the downfall is we we overlook it. Like I said, I'll be honest, until recently I didn't know what was going on with the census. It was just something I didn't want to fill out and I wasn't gonna put the government out of business. So go fill that fill that crap out. So yeah, and just in case you were wondering, the census doesn't report to the IRS or anything like that. So if you you claim somebody that's not living in your house, but you don't put them on your census, that's fine. Uh, or vice versa, you put somebody on your census and then you don't claim them, that's fine too. They they are totally separate. They don't report to each other. So put who's sitting on your couch, who's living in your house on, I think it's April 15th is the day. Uh, or whatever the cutoff date is, whatever that date is on the little form, it'll tell you, put whoever's there on that day. All righty. Well, that was a good question, Rosie. Uh Brandon, you got a question for us, man? And I want to hear what you got. What you, what, what's on your mind, man? You got a question for the brothers? Uh, Yeah. I mean, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm a, I'm a political junkie. So I want to, I would like to get you guys' thoughts on who do you think is most electable in the democratic primary? That's a great question. Um, With no answer. Before, before, before I give the answer to that, I'm glad you asked that because it gives me a chance to step on the soap, a soapbox. Just briefly, though, black people, can we stop canceling everybody for every reason? Like there is no, let me, tell, let me tell you this, there's no perfect candidate, okay? All of them SOBs up there are flawed. There is no perfect candidate that has always looked out for every single person, donated the right amount of money, never cheated on their spouse, paid all their taxes. There's nobody perfect. So every time you find out something about a candidate, you're writing them off automatically. Now, I will say there is some stuff you can't overlook. For instance, Brandon, I'm sorry, Bloomberg. Ah, that's stopping Fritz, man. 
That's a little too tough for me. Why, over. Why, why, you tell, why you telling me you saw it? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not from New York. <laughs> not this guy. That's the fans or nothing like that. <laughs> but um, who's left, man? I think the most electable person probably, it seems like from what I know, and I haven't followed it that closely like I should have, maybe Pete Buttigieg, man. It's out of Pete Buttigieg and Elizabeth Warren. The gay guy? And, yeah, the gay guy. <laughs> no, hey. and I, I say that I say that kind of half jokingly, tongue in cheek. I'm, I'm just, you know, like when you talk about most electable and like homophobia out there, that's hard to be like he's the most electable. He got black problems too, though. He got major I, I, black problems. They, they pretty much all of them do damn near. And I'm glad you said that, Riza, because actually that's not true. He's not the most electable. And I found this out this week. How many people have pretty much told me just from conversation they're not voting for a gay person. And they say even if it comes down to him and Trump, they cannot support two men being in that White House. Like people told me that word for word this week. So maybe in my eyes he's electable, but it seems like to a lot of other people he's not. I do like some of the things Elizabeth Warren has saying, not necessarily on the uh, campaign trail, but on the Senate floor. She says some things that we have to acknowledge when it comes to Black America. Like she's one of the few people that have ever said things like that. So. I guess it's Elizabeth Warren, maybe Amy Klobuchar, but I don't know, because Joe Biden, I look at him during the debates, man, he just looks lost. I mean, he, his age is lost. showing. Man. Yeah, He's lost. He, 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 yeah. yeah, and it's He's not like, even the stuttering. He tries to, like, you know, he leans on that a little bit, like, oh, you're talking about my stuttering. It's like, no, we're talking about your bad answers. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Sir, there's, there's really no right or wrong answer, but your answer was wrong. Like that, <laughs> I know it's a debate, but that was that was not the right thing to say. So I know I didn't give a clear answer. I'll just say this, man. It, it, whoever wins it, they got my vote over Trump. I know that much. I'm gonna jump in because I'm not a political junkie, and I know you hate to say, say this, and I hate to admit it. So. For me, my vote would go to the gay guy, as you guys say. That's how we're calling him. But like you said, in America today, he's not electable just because we want we 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 took that gamble. So you're gonna say we went from a black guy to a gay guy? We're not that we're not that progressive. We're not there yet. He has a lot of black problems too, though. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was a all, he was an all lives he was an all lives matter guy until he wanted to run for president. It was Black Lives Matter. He had a police chief that caught some white cops talking racist on an internal recording system. He fired the black police chief and kept the racist cops. He forced out the black uh, uh, fire chief in South Bend. And since he's been running for uh, president, the police shot and killed a black kid in South Bend. He went home. I'm not sure how long he went home for. It was just long enough to, to let the paper see him. And then he bounced out. You know, so, and so he, so, he has he has he has like no support from his black community in South Bend. So he doesn't and have on, your vote. No, and on top of that, <laughs> on, on, top, listen, on top of that, South Bend is probably a hundred thousand people. It's more people in Bryant Denny Stadium seven Sunday, seven Saturdays out the year than than live in South Bend. And South Bend, if you look it up, it's 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 not some type of economic mecca. Even with if it wasn't for Notre Dame, it probably wouldn't even be there anymore. You know, it's not it's not like some like, you know, people are dying to move to South Bend, you know, you know, people might love it. They live there. They might love it. But it's not. No, it's not the you know, it's like the fourth largest city in Indiana, which is like what? The 
I don't know, 47th largest state for the population. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, he's just, he, he, he doesn't have, he doesn't have the executive experience, I think, to be president. I think the only reason he's getting this type of boost is A, because he's a white man. He's a white man. He went to Harvard. He went to Oxford. He checked all the boxes, right? Mm-hmm. And that's military. the only reason I think he's yep. getting it. Yeah, military. But that's the only reason I think he's getting this boost. And because progressives love um, a white person they can point to and be like, oh, he's just like y'all, right? He's not black, but oh, he's gay. You know what I'm saying? Like even when his answer, one of his answers a couple uh, debates back, they asked him about his super duper poor performance with African Americans. He's like single digits. And I mean single digits, I mean like three percent. <laughs> yeah. Four percent. Not 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 nine. I'm talking like three or four percent with African Americans. And so his answer to why he didn't why he don't have a lot of African Americans was essentially that he's gay. And he knows what it's like to not be wanted in your country. And I was like, fool, they got black gay people. Like you don't own you don't own gay. Your white ass don't own gay, bro. Yeah, like we got white. Let, let, let me let me push back on that though, Brandon. Black people are notoriously known for not being acceptive of gay people. Yeah, that that's, that's 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 more important. That means that a black gay person will have an even tougher time than him as a white privileged gay so man. What, right? So wouldn't that explain <laughs> his lack of support from black no, people? No, I, I don't think it's just that. Most people like, don't know he's gay, that. though. It's not, he, he doesn't, yeah, he, he doesn't wave that. it out there I, I, like... I, I, we were rising. I don't think most people... You saw the lady, what was it, at the caucus? The lady was like, oh, I want to change my vote now that I know he's gay. Like, I, I, yeah, I don't yeah. think... He doesn't wave that out there like yeah. that. But that's the no. thing. And maybe, and I don't, maybe I'm going to get stoned for this, but I don't think we know enough about our candidates. We know, we always have like the top two or three. We know Biden, we know Bernie, and maybe Warren at this time. That's probably the the, the big three for the black the black community. We know little to nothing about other candidates. We, I think, as a as a group, we usually vote for who we think can win, not who has our best interests, who who might benefit us the most. It's who we think can win or who we know of. Like we just we just we know we know Biden, we know Bernie. And we know we've heard of this chick Warren, so she's a possibility. But I think that that is, I think it's it's gay as part of it. But I think he just was so unknown that we if Barack put it this way, if Barack was white and had the exact same mentality, we probably wouldn't have voted for. But I don't think there's a candidate, at least a top tier candidate, that doesn't have a black problem on the Democratic side. Not anymore. Yeah, Bernie and Warren all them have black problems. But yeah, I mean, but that's the thing. We have a horrible candidate base. Like our, we thought it was bad four years ago. I'm like, is this that, is this? A- and and that that is why Pete is skyrocketing like he is because he is a good candidate. He's well spoken. He knows his answers. He knows the president of Mexico. When Klobuchar didn't like, oh, I don't know if y'all y'all heard that about that. Um, they asked Pete Klobuchar and I can't remember the other candidate, one other candidate, like who was the president of Mexico right now, and Mayor Pete was the only one that could actually answer it. So who they thought that, it was Vicente Fox? Do I don't know, man. <laughs> Klobuchar, Klobuchar needed an answer. She was like, I don't know. Like she, she didn't even try to go down that road. <laughs> That's terrible. Wow. Wow, so, that is terrible. You know that the thing is, yeah, he's, he's smart. He's smart. Yeah, he's a, he's know, super smart. Harvard, I mean, Harvard. when when you talk about like he, everybody thinks about military, 
like he was military intelligence. He wasn't like normal. He wasn't an infantryman. Like this dude sat and read like information and intelligence all day long, day in, day out. He's the nerd of the army. And so when, I mean, he speaks like seven different languages, like he could be a very, very good politician. The problem is that he has all those problems that he doesn't have executive experience. He he actually can't say I commanded or controlled a large enough area. But, but is but is well, even that man? The thing about it, we just elected a president the, 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 the that has none experience. Exactly, the last two presidents haven't had any executive. Pre- so uh, I think it's 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 when for our community. I think it's it's the fact that we just got to be we got to be real. For one, if you're not part of the big three, like we. I think we posted a few weeks ago on on our our Facebook page. We posted the poll, basically like who do you who do you really align with? And that was my guy to be to be honest. Like I was surprised, mm-hmm. but Pete was my guy. Prior to but, that, I probably I probably would have never thought about Pete like that. But yeah. the thing about it, we're 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 trying to feel the burn. We're for Uncle Biden. Like we're, we we want to go with the people we think that we can win and that we're familiar with and. Is killing us, and those people happen to outside of Warren. I, I just, I for one, I just don't think Bernie can go up against Trump. I just, I just, I just don't think it. Well, I, well let me let me I get my let me get my answer in, and then oh, we'll come my, back around. My, to you, uh, my answer, Bernie. I don't know if I answered my answer. I think I hate to admit it, but I think it's Bloomberg. I think Bloomberg's the only person that can that, that can go toe to toe with him. Unfortunately, he's too so, short. Short. <laughs> short yeah. problems, man. There is there is a problem with uh giving an elected when you're short. I mean it's so it's proven. You got you, you want somebody short, gay, or a woman. Or <laughs> that, that that and that's not me like that that that's what Pete, we're Pete, that's, Pete's short and gay. So he's got two strikes against him. So, <laughs> so that's the thing about it is that's America. That's how we that's well, how people will that's how people will make their choice. Yes, that's that crazy. Is, that's the that's the issue with Truthfully, the the Democratic Party in in general is the whole big tent approach and the idea that everybody we build this coalition is that we don't stick together and we don't line up and lock stuff behind our candidate after. So Republicans, even though it's very they're very very homogeneous, um, it doesn't matter whoever the candidate is, huh? Say homogeneous, please. Homogeneous. Okay. Okay. Uh, Anyway. Anyway. homogeneous (laughs) homogeneous <laughs> so homogeneous whatever you want to call it but um the problem is that they no matter what they lock stuff behind their candidate and they actually go and they vote for him we don't because of that big tent approach and so when we don't like our candidate um you know we're going to say nope i don't want i don't want to mess with them and then we stay home a lot of times that hillary clinton prime example we stay home so when we talk about electability i really do feel like you said Bernie can't get it. I, I think Bernie probably is our mo- most electable. He he knows how to stay on topic. He mm. he actually can stay on his talking points um, a little too well at times. And he won't go stray anywhere away from them. Um, I heard somebody say something about, I think it was on your post, Brent, uh, uh, Byron, where somebody was saying that he, he doesn't do well with independence, but I think he polls really well with independence. Um, and rural... Um, like Republicans actually, some of the uh, no, not rural Republicans, suburban Republicans actually like some of his policies a little bit better than um, the Republicans. So he might actually be able to flip some of those uh, working class Republicans a little bit because when he starts talking about things that hey, it's going to directly help you. I want to 
you know, increase the minimum wage, some folks that are making minimum what wage may jump over, uh, even if they uh, do feel like Republicans. So, what, what, has, what has he done lately, though? What do you mean, who, Bernie? Who, Bernie? Yeah, he's a senator. Uh, right. I mean, like, what, like, no, what, what, what is he getting in the past? Like, what is his recent record, track record? He voted for that crime bill that y'all bashed Hillary Clinton for, and she didn't even vote for it. Yeah, but I mean, Bernie Sanders is a populist, just like Trump is. He's just a left wing populist, and Trump is a right wing populist. Yep. That's why they have. That's why they have crossover like that. You know, he's a populist, and so, I mean, I don't. I just don't think that. I mean, much as I would like everybody to have access to health insurance, I don't think telling people who work in a union that negotiated for a great Blue Cross and Blue Shield deal that when Bernie gets elected, you get Medicaid. It's going to fly. It's not going to fly. You know, mm-hmm. the, the already in Nevada, the largest union there, which is the culinary union, put out an email saying that Medicaid will all will take away the insurance that we just been negotiated for two years or whatever, how long it took them to get it. And y'all got this great insurance that you don't pay that much for, you know, and it works out for you and your family. And Bernie Sanders is pretty much saying, I'm taking it. I'm mm-hmm. put you on Medicaid. And I don't know anybody that don't have Medicaid out here, you know, thinking to themselves, man, I can't wait to get some Medicaid. Yeah, I you know, because I, I, I used to work as a uh, as a social worker, and you know, Medicaid is not only not taken everywhere, right? It's also cost burden for the people who take it. Like, you got to have special computer, special like uh, equipment to be able to run the stuff through Medicaid. You can't just like <laughs> click click clack when you go like when you go take your Blue Cross and Blue Shield card to your primary care. Yeah. that's why a lot of doctors don't do it. You know, because so, it's not. But, but you, you got to understand, you can't you can't look at universal health care. And when they say Medicaid for all, that is going to be Medicare or Medicaid. Um, when you talk about a universal health care system, all that goes away because they're not worried about, OK, I'm going to do this Blue Cross Blue Shield versus the Medicaid versus this. You don't need uh, the, our cost of administration is four times as much as Canada uh, for, to administer our health care. I mean, the thing about it is it's going to be a huge cost save when you have that. And I don't care if it's. Medicaid for all uh, or a private single payer that we use as a, and let them have a monopoly and we just regulate them. Uh, I don't even care if we use. So I think it's like the Swiss system where you can have private insurance, but all costs are set by a government regulated, you know, um, committee. And so a hip replacement is a hip replacement. And so whoever you get to administer your health care really don't care, but you're not going to charge United Healthcare $2,500 for a hip replacement, Blue Cross Blue Shield 1500 and an uninsured person 17000 Like those, those are the things that I think we can do. So I don't really care how it ends up shaking out. I, I think Bernie is he's he's shooting for the moon or what is it shooting for the star so he can get the moon whereas if you come in a week then you're going to end up having even less yeah i hear, I hear that but you can do those reforms without disrupting the healthcare industries like that like you can do those reforms and not say and not take away people's and not have a government plan and i have a, a single pair of government plan just like like when they came out with the obamacare they said pre-existing conditions you can't do that no more Right. Mm-hmm. You could do that. You could have a law that 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 that, that makes some type of uh, uh, commonality between procedures. Right. Like you said. So if you get your hip replaced in Texas, Vermont or Alaska, it's the same thing. You could do that without without going as far as what Bernie's saying. And I'm but saying I'm, that people. Yeah. But I mean, we, we, we've been doing this long enough. We're all grown. We know that campaign promises are just they, it is what it is. That's a campaign promise. Like. 
it's, it's not going to happen overnight. It, it's going to be pushback. It's going to be too much. Just like you said, Brandon, it's going to be a compromise where when they sit down and bring it to the powers that be, it, it's, it's going to be tough. Um, I just, I don't know, Bernie's just so left field that it's just that when it comes down to it, it's cool in theory, but then when you when it comes down to it, people are like, man, I really can't vote for this dude. Now, you might have a point, Rizzi, that he's the most electable. And by electable, I guess in, in today's terms, is who will people not stay home for? Because I don't think anybody's – we don't have a candidate that's just so exciting or we're just 100% behind that we're just like – I'm not enthused about anybody. But at the same time, it's Hillary lost because people is that they, it's not that they voted against Hillary. They just didn't vote. I think with yeah. Bernie, it like people were like, okay, I, I guess you're right. I guess I can go vote for him. That's our biggest thing. Who's going to get people not to stay home? Because this is enough people that don't like Trump, but the people that love Trump are going to go out and vote. There's, I don't, electability is what candidate is going to make, okay, we're going to get X amount of people to go out who love me to vote. And then how many people are just not going to stay home? My goal is just to make sure people get to the polls. I think that was your downfall. Yeah, go ahead, Brandon. Yeah, I think, I mean, to put it in context, you got, I think we got like Hillary Clinton won the popular vote by 3 million people, right? And so really, it only hinges on a few states, about 70,000 votes in a few states, Midwestern states. And I think the the tie this in with what you're saying about campaign promises. The thing is, is that, you know, in American politics, we, we say, you know, kind of a nice way that most voters are unsophisticated. So they vote on things like appearance, sexual orientation and things that you, and things that you say that are grandiose. Think about Obama's campaign. Right. Hope. He talked a lot about hope, not a lot about like policy. He talked about hope and like those Trump things. Same sell. Thing. Yeah, those things. Yeah. Those things sell people. And so people that are unsophisticated catch on to those make America great again, hope, Medicaid for all, $15 minimum wage. They catch on to those things because the average person who's working, you know, two jobs or something don't have time to be like me and watch CNN all day. You know, or, or to get up on, like I get up early on Sunday just to watch the talk shows. They're like, they don't, they don't do that. And so usually what happens is people don't get involved until it's like crunch time. Then they have to finally make a decision. And most people don't turn on hard news to make decisions. They turn on the Daily Show. They turn on HLN. They turn on some type of soft news show, uh, you know, this week, tonight with John Oliver and stuff like that to be able to make decisions. So, Brandon, who is the most electable, in your opinion? Honestly, I don't know. I mean, I thought I thought Uncle Joe would would at least do better than he's doing now. Uh, But I think but I think, yeah, but I think a lot of it has to do with money. Uh, The liberal elite are giving money to uh, Pete Buttigieg, which is like like one of the things that's floating him. But what he has to contend with now is a real mayor, Michael Bloomberg, who has $60 billion. So no matter how much money they give him, Michael Bloomberg got more money than them, uh, all put together in one room. And Michael Bloomberg could come out and say, oh, you was a mayor of South Bend? It's more people than that in Brooklyn. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You know what I mean? It's more people than that in like one, two, two, three blocks in Brooklyn, bro. And so like, I mean, uh, I think, I think, I think, I, I mean, I didn't think, you know, that, you know, Bloomberg would make the biggest splash as he did. But like I said, uh, you know, 
those types of ads and catchy phrases and saying things like that, those catch lines work. And that's why he's been building up steam in the midst of having to contend with stop and frisk and all that stuff. You know, we have, that, yeah, we have to see how that plays out. Because, you know, uh, what's the guy like? Uh, Kali Browder? The young Khalif. man that was Khalif. Khalif yeah. Browder was caught in the, and, and killed himself after he got on Rikers for three years. That mm-hmm. was under Booker. Yep. You know what I mean? And so, like, he might have, he gonna, if, if, he, if he goes to a debate, which I highly doubt he was he going to jump in to go to a debate, but if he goes to a debate, all oh, that's going to be brought up. Mm-hmm. You know, and so, like, you know, that may change the game, but if you got a billion dollars to throw towards ads, you know, you can just wash mm-hmm. all that out. Yeah, he's he's um outspending but, Trump on Facebook ads right now. I think he's do, but, doing like a million a day on Facebook ads. But do, I mean, do we just, just we just be happy about our twenty five dollar ads that we be doing for three brothers. <laughs> <laughs> but do people? Let's be honest though. Yeah, but to get one of them Bloomberg, is, it, is, is that going to hurt? The, is that going to hurt Bloomberg? Do people care enough about a uh, a young, no. dead black? Exactly. No. No. Is that going to really hurt? It might turn our stomach, which at the end of the day might stop us from getting out and vote. Because if it comes down to Trump, and my fear is if it comes down to Trump and Bloomberg, the black people are not going to get caught up because it's very relevant. The Cleef Router, the Stop and Frisk, all that, all that, all that stuff is relevant. But he, he was is it going to get Park it? Five too? Mm-hmm. You said anti? Yeah, he didn't want it. He didn't think they deserved that money. Yeah. Oh. So, so going back down to who's the most electable, though, I, I think if that's probably your best matchup is Bloomberg versus Trump. Uh, we don't want to see it, but when you really talk about who going head to head, Bloomberg versus Trump gives us a the, probably the best chance um, outside of and, and no, not even outside of Bernie. I I do think that gives us the best chance to uh to beat Trump. South Carolina is so important because this is going to really tell how electable Buttigieg is and if Joe Biden can come back. He he needs to do well in Nevada, and he needs to not only win South Carolina, but it needs to be a damn near blowout. So I just, yeah, yeah. I'm scared. I don't, Biden scares me. Biden's probably my scariest. Biden to me is Hillary 2.0. No, 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 think about it. No, what I mean by that is he got black you, people problems, too. That not only that <laughs> it's more so you feel more confident about Biden. When I say Hillary 2.0 is like the confidence level with Biden is people are like, OK, Biden, Biden and Trump, Biden going to win. But I can't really rock with Biden or I'm not feeling Biden. So once again, I'm not going out to vote. I think it is. It is all about who are people going to like, you know what? I'm going to take off the day or I'm gonna, on my lunch break. I'm going to go out and vote. I just think don't about the optics. Think about the optics. If Biden wins the nomination and then he pulls Barack out the closet to go around and stump speech with him. And you got that visual of Barack and Biden again. OK, mm-hmm. yeah, I, mean, I forgot you about that. You, you, you make because the, 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 the once this settles on one candidate, they're going to break Barack out. They're going to yeah. they're going to bring him out. They're going to dust him off. And they're gonna put that. They're gonna put that sweet talking brother on the stump. And so, and it's gonna, it's gonna. But it, he can only do so much. You know, you put him out there for for Bernie Sanders. He ain't gonna be out there for real for Bernie Sanders. Mm-hmm. You know, what I mean, it's not the, the 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 contradiction, the juxtaposition is gonna be too much. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But he out there for a Klobuchar. He out there for a Bloomberg. He out there for a Biden, especially Biden. 
and they got the shades on. You know what I'm saying? They just they they, they playing on the memes. You know what I mean? It's just like it could be it could be a game changer. Where it's Saturday Night Live is going to eat that up. Yeah, Bloomberg, Bloomberg thinking about getting Hillary to run with him, man. Man, you saw Bloomberg ads got nothing but I, I seen a blue. It's a Bloomberg ad play here in uh, Kansas almost every time it's a commercial break, and it's yeah. him and Obama. Every mm-hmm. screen, every screenshot is him and Obama, and the voiceover is Obama talking about Bloomberg. That's his black. That's his black card. Yeah. <laughs> Great question, Brandon. Great question. Yeah. Buff, what you got for us? Give us some good. Give us some good. Well, I guess we're gonna consider this the uh, the grown up episode because I'm not gonna even ask a silly question to uh, lighten it up. Um, my question to you guys is, I, well, first off, Brandon, do you you have kids? Yeah, I have a daughter. Okay, all right. So we all have kids, and my question to you guys is, do you think it's more important to allow your child to be uh, to seek whatever career they want to seek when they grow up? Uh, do you think it's more important to steer them to the more high, higher paying jobs to where they can, because um, we always talk about on the show how we need more money in the community, more status, more power. And one of the ways to get that power is to have people in the jobs that we need them in, the, the money in the neighborhood. So are you okay with your child saying, hey, I want to be a school teacher when, when I grow up? Or do, are you going to tell your daughter or son, hey, teacher is good, but Maybe you should consider this or that instead. Well, my, my daughter just started high school. And so she told me recently she wanted to be a social worker. And I used to be a social worker. So it's kind of like a little pride or whatever that she I mean, we want to do something she you know knew her dad was doing. But then in the back of my mind, I was like, you don't want to be no social worker. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I didn't say it to her, but I'm just like, she, you don't want to be no social worker. You know, your dad ain't even a social worker no more. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? But like, I mean, you know, for real though, they don't make no money. You know, the, the profession, as much as it's needed and I, and I love it and I always consider myself a social worker, it doesn't get the respect or the resources it needs to be able to do the job that we want social workers to do. Or we want DHR, Child Protective Services to do. And my thing was, as I pushed her towards math, I was like, you know, you do whatever you want to do, just take take the whatever math you can take. Take, take calculus, take trigonometry, take math. Like, cause math is the key to the universe. And if you got good math skills, you can do anything. I'm a political scientist and most of what I do is statistics. I work with a statistics software package and a lot of it is calculus. And so if you got a good calculus two under your belt, you can be a PhD, you know, economist. You know, I'm just saying like, uh, I think not telling them what exactly to do, but like my thing was I, t- I encouraged her to take as much math as possible. Because with math, you could do anything. Okay, I'll, I'll go. I'll go next. I think I never want to 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 guide my kids' dreams. Like I, I don't want to step on them, or you know. But at the same time, I think my my duty as a parent is to try to prepare them as much as possible for the real world. And so, I guess yes, but to a certain extent, I'm not going to go out and say you need to go be a doctor or a lawyer or whatever the case may be. If my kids decide to go to college, you know, because there's other careers. Like my thing is I want them always to have something they can fall back on, you know, Hey, like you said, math, science, go get, go get an engineering degree. I literally had this conversation with my sister the other day. Go get an engineering degree. She went, she went to Alabama. She's graduating from Alabama A&M in May and when she started, she wanted to go into business and then accounting. And then she went to 
uh, math. And then she went to something, it's something else. And she ended up going to engineering, which I was trying to guide her for the longest because go engineering as an elective or alternate courses, take anything else you want to take. Like you had to look at it strategically. Like you can have an engineering degree, but you can take all the same, the classes you need for sociology. If you want to be a, a, a social worker and it might take your extra year, but you have an engineering degree and you decide to be a, 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 a social worker. You Five years from now, you don't be a social worker. You still have an engineering degree. Like at the end of the day, you can still fall back on certain things. Like I know people that fam, I went to fam. Fam has a great engineering school. I know people that went, got their engineering degree, were engineers for a certain amount of time, went back and went to law school. I know people that went, got their engineering degree and became doctors. Or they stayed engineers and freaking did something else. Like if you want to get into social work or you want to help the community, they mentor, they do other stuff. But at the end of the day, you're still able to fall back on life because it's tough in these streets. You know, um, it's easy for us to say things because I think we all make a decent living. We're not struggling. You know, it's, we make a decent living, bring you up, you got your PhD, like you're, we're doing okay. It's a lot of people that will go back to college today. Is like, man, I love what I do. But at the end of the day, this social work life ain't, ain't what it is. You know, I love helping people. But when I look at my, my paycheck and I'm making X amount of dollars annually, yeah. and then I still got all these student loans, man, engineering sounds good. Nursing sounds good. You know, I'm, I'm always pushing. I'm mentor. I have to, I'm over the lamplighters here and I'm always pushing. If you go get a cert- certification or something like that, but if you're going to go to college, go get you a four year degree where you can come out with a, a job or a career, nursing, yeah, engineering, something like that, where I know nurses who went, got their nursing degree, but took the right courses or were missing a course or two where they can go back, take a few prerequisites, and then apply for med school. You know, my degree was in biology. I went to school, when Ryzen can attest to this, I went to school to be a doctor. My biology degree didn't do, doesn't do for me. I'm in medical sales. You know, um, I just have a degree. Luckily, I'm good at what I do and I'm a people's person, but I don't want them chasing the money. But I know engineers and and I keep sticking on engineers because we had a great engineering program. But I know engineers that are engineers by trade, but that went back to culinary arts school. Like their passion is cooking, but they're still able to do other things because they they make a decent living and stuff like that. So, yeah, I mean, I guess you got to push them. Yeah, but at the same time, like you talked about, they they went and spent, I don't know how much money to get an engineer degree, and then they went back to culinary school because they loved that more. And so I, I'm I'm hesitant to say, yes, I'm going to push them into one of those higher paying, more powerful jobs or whatever, because truthfully, if you talk about, um, you know, politics or something like that, nine, nine times out of 10, people go all the way through law school and then they go for, you know, a state rep makes sixty thousand dollars part-time because they got to have a, 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 a you know a normal job on top of that uh to subsidize their actual income so it's not super high profile or it's super high powerful and high profile but not high paying so you just got to kind of figure out what really works for them Haley, for example she's um pre-physical therapy right now but i don't see the the drive and the love for the career field um, that I had when 
I wanted to be a doctor. And then when I changed and I wanted to get into finance and, and go be a stockbroker, like I, my eyes lit up when I talked about that field until it didn't anymore. And I don't see that. And so that's what I'm looking for, for any of my kids is I'm going to push them to whatever they light up when they talk about it, whether it is they want to be a chef or they want to be a social worker or whatever. Now, Along those lines, when they start talking about it, because they may not know the actual job or field that they want to be in, but when they start talking through their interests and I hear them really light up around something, I'm going to try to steer them to a job in that. So Oliver with gaming and, and technology and stuff like that. So I'm like, okay, let's talk through coding. Let's talk through how to be a developer. Let's go maybe even into some artwork or something and, and let you become, you know, a graphic designer or an artist. So I'm going to figure out the career based on the interest, not necessarily trying to pick the interest. Now with that career, I'm going to make sure that it is a higher paid you know, but, some what powerful, but I want to do it. I want to align it with their interests. But you just said it. You you wanted to be a doctor, then you want to be a stockbroker. Those things change. Mm-hmm. So my thing is, imagine you want to be a doctor, and we'll go back to Brandon's point. But then you wanted to be a social worker, so you want to got your degree in social work. But then that changed too, and now you're stuck at being a social worker. My thing is, hey. If those things change, you can always go back. You can always pursue. But at the end of the day, worst case scenario, worst case scenario, you're a freaking engineer. Worst case scenario, she's a physical therapist. Like that's that's my goal. Like worst case scenario, even if you don't like your job, you can go back because you could have become become a doctor still didn't like it and want to do something else. I mean, becoming you look at Michelle Obama and she was into all the stuff on law and all that. She didn't like it. The worst case scenario, she was a lawyer. Like at the end of the day, a Harvard trained lawyer. Exactly. Mm-hmm. My thing is, I want to see the passion. I'm not going to sit there and like, oh, you want to do this? Oh, you need to go be an engineer. I'm trying to try, like you said, try to find that that career that they have a passion for and find the the best way to make it happen. Or also, like, if if it's far fetched, because for one, ask them why they want to do it. See if that passion is really there, because. Most people want to be doctors, lawyers, and like it's those jobs that everybody hears about. You know, you don't really hear people like, you know what, I want to grow up to be a random and random job. Like it's but people end up doing those jobs and still make great money. But I don't want them chasing the money, but I also want them to have something to fall back on at all times. Worst case scenario, until you find your passion, you're a physical therapist. You're a nurse. Yeah, but this this is this is not even a new discussion. You know, I, I'm thinking back to reading like Hobbes and Marx, and they talked about the importance of having meaningful work, and Hobbes more so how meaningful work gave like you know meaning to your life, and Marx more so about how capitalism has taken the meaning out of work, which causes this thing he says called causes alienation, which could be the downfall of a nation, a society, or whatever. But I mean, meaningful work is important. You know, like my, my career path was not a straight shot. You know, my undergrad was in psych. Uh, then I ended up getting an MSW. And then I got in this PhD program in politics. And I got another master's in gender and race studies. And so, you know, it wasn't a straight shot. So I understand, you know, I don't think anybody comes into college. Oh, very few people come into college with one major and leave with that major. You know, I think, I think it, college changes you. You grow up, you know. 
And I think, you know, you want your kids to have a good job, but more so, you know, like as, as you keep saying that you want your kids to be happy. You know what I mean? You want your kids to be happy. And if you can, go, I feel like if you go to a job and you don't hate going to that son of a bitch every day, then you won. Think about how it, I, I had so many jobs that I hated. You know what I mean? But I was just working for the paycheck because I needed a job. I had to have a job. You know, but you no, know, now I got, you know, the the last few years of my life, at least, you know, almost six or seven years of my life, I love going to work. And mm-hmm. I just get it, and it just gives you a quality of life not being stressed to go to work. I think it's just it's just add years to your life. But I think that quality of life is a part of having meaningful work, the work that you enjoy doing. And that could be being a chef, right? I used to cook. That could be being a chef. That could be being a nurse. That could be being an engineer. Or it could be being an artist, a musician or something, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think you you hit it, and and I want to say I forgot what it was like. Maybe thirty percent of the people who graduate degrees actually go into the career field that they that they got their degree in. And my thing is, you could go to work every day and hate your job. So imagine going to work hating your job and still not making any money. Like I hate this. Shit. I don't want to be here, and I ain't getting paid. Rather than I hate this, I hate this crap. I don't want to be here. But hey, at least at least I'm getting paid until I find something new. That's why social workers have so much turnover. So this question came from uh, you guys know Nicole Petit, who um, she pretty much was just railing against the notion. She feels like in our community, too many times we tell our kids, you know, just uh, go get you a, a a nice job, or you know, just go get something that pays okay, and and have a nice job and you'll be fine. And she was like, we need to push our kids to be more and want more. For that, I'll say, I just try to pay attention to my daughter's limitations. And so I'm trying to follow her and how much she grasps certain things. So when she really starts talking about what she wants to be, I can kind of guide her better. So if she comes across and says, hey, I want to be a lawyer. What kind of lawyer? A tax lawyer. Okay, is she good at math? Because if you're not good at math, and that's not the way you need to look like yeah. there's no sense in pursuing being a doctor or a lawyer if you're just going to fail out. So I do kind of agree with Nicole to an extent that you do want to push your kids to try to be at the top of whatever it is that they want to be. But I'm not just going to go out there and say, hey, doctors, lawyers, uh, scientists, these are the jobs that pay well and pay great. So you need to pursue one of those. Now, it's not going to be like that, but, you know, whatever she wants to do, I definitely would do my best to try to find what is some of the higher paying routes that she can go and go from there. Because I think it is important to try to make a good living. I want to go to clown school. Well, <laughs> maybe, maybe you but, but, but not maybe not clown school, but what if they say I want to be a professional comedian? <laughs> I want to be the next, you know, Kevin when, Hart. But you guys know she's into art right now. And she just yesterday asked me, so, Dad, what kind of jobs can I get with being an artist? And I just told her, I said, you know, uh, comic book magazines, uh, sometimes in fashion, when they're coming up with different designs for outfits, they'll have someone come and sketch it and see how to look first. I say I just gave her like different little examples. So, you know, as she gets older, I'm sure, well, maybe we'll stick to art, but whatever it changes to. I'm going to try to guide her in that way. And I think that's my fear is we change so much. You could, you could also study art. 
You can yeah. also study art. You know, you could have a career. You know, she loves art that much. She could study she, art. She could be a curator. Going yeah. back to the photograph. Uh, uh, nice. But she could be a curator. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that she can do. I mean, it's just we have to find. And I think that's our duty. And I think you hit it on finding what they're good at, finding their passion and trying to find something to help them. Because, you know, my wife is an artist by nature, you know, and I always challenge her. Like, are you? Are you an artist or are you a bit trying to be a business owner? And, you know, because her passion is art. It's like if you never sell a painting, you never do this. Are you still an artist? So if Jasmine, you know, wants to be an artist and she wants to draw and do, continue doing her stuff. It might not be your your finances are wrapped into that that talent. If, um, but it's hey. You wake up and before you go to the museum every day, you you draw, you paint, you sculpt, whatever it is, and that makes you happy. You get inspiration from things you see at work every day. Yeah, but, but uh, I, 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 I was going to say the thing about like Nicole, I think she was talking as black people in general. Yeah. And you got to think about we're, we're all highly educated talking about raising our children to those higher standards but the person that you know goes and works hospitality um you know for a living or they're a receptionist for a living may not be thinking that they may be thinking the same thing of oh just go get you a good job that you know you can work at the dmv and and you know work at one of the desks and as long as you're stable because you know back in the day a, a getting a union job something that you can stay at for 30 years and retire that was kind of the pinnacle of success and i i think that's where a lot of our as the community we're still we still are in is saying oh just you know get get that good paying or okay paying job good paying job for what they're they're at now um and just stay there and you'll be okay. R- r- doesn't matter if you like it or not. And we have the ability to be able to tell our kids, look beyond that because worst case scenario, we got you, you know, oh, and, yeah. and I think that's a little bit of it too. So we bullshit. Yeah, I, would, I would, I would agree with that. Yeah. I would agree with that because, you know, it, it's, if your kids have job security, so they get a job at the post office, then it alleviates you from having to worry about them. Mm-hmm. You know, but if I when I pass on, I at least know you're not going to be starving. You know, so I think that that has a lot to do with it. And then you know, if you and then in certain areas of the you know certain you know places, certain certain spaces, you don't see a lot of black doctors or nurses or dentists or accountants and things like that. But uh, you know, and this could be a whole other topic. But I think we're taught, and I talk about my line brother all the time when I think about this. We're taught to, like you said, Rise, to play it safe. That's that. As a black culture, black community, yes. we're taught to play it safe. And yeah. so graduating from college, when you're looking at jobs, oh, they pay 55. This other one pays 45. Take the 55. Just just because that $10,000 on paper sounds so much better and rather than upward mobility, uh, cost of living in this area or you know, job security, all the things that might matter. We were looking, we're chasing the money again. And I admire one of my line brothers, Dane, because I felt like when he graduated from fam, he took the road less traveled. Like people were on him questioning why he took a certain job in New York, working 
15, 16 hour uh, days doing BS in our world, BS. But I look at him now in 2020, he's a VP of marketing for Google Pixel. Yep. You know, because he, he took he took he took an alternative route. And we, our thing is we're, we're taught to play it safe. You get this job, you start making this amount, you know, hopefully you can you can get up, you know, almost like the black dreams. You can start making six figures. You made it. Nigga, we made it. You know, like that's us. That's all we think about is we get a certain amount that is success in our world. And I think we want that for our kids rather than, hey, maybe 65,000, 70,000, but they're truly happy and they love going to work every day. And they didn't get that sixty-five, $70,000 out the gate. It took them 10 years to get that or 15 years to get that, you know. And, and I, I even say that now that I think about it, that's kind of arrogant for me even to say because that's us because of the lifestyle we live is like, we're seeing that as downsizing. Like, okay, you only make 65, 70. That's cool. I, I still love you anyway. To take it somewhere else. I think also it's like low key protection because yeah. you know how it is at the higher you go up in a company, the less people you see look like you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I'm in this department is, I know I love my job. I love the school. I'm the only black faculty okay. in this department. You know what I'm saying? And that's not that's not uncommon for any academic department. So if you want this job, you have to realize you're probably going to be the only one. And you're probably going to you're going to deal with some BS, not like the same BS. If you was a if you was a, a, a you know, checkout person at the BP, but you got to deal with some BS some racial BS. And it's going to be a whole different beast because, you know, you're just a, you're in a different environment. And so, I mean, it could be some protectionism in that, too. Like, you know, I want you to be safe, not only. You know, financially, but I want you to be safe. You know, from, from yeah, we're taught to play it safe, man. Yeah, my, I my dad, my dad told me he took he got a because he got a job in like uh, at a, a mortgage company when like back before you know the the first mortgage crisis or whatever. And he told me his white boss told him he was like, "Listen, you're gonna have to be twice as good as these white guys for me to keep you here." He straight up told him that. Wow. Wow. I was like, he told you that out of his mouth. He was like, yeah. He was like, he's like, they're not, they don't want you here and they're going to be trying to get you out of here. So I need you to be twice as good so I can keep you here. You know what I mean? It was, it was, you know, it's his boss. His boss could do something about it, but you know, you don't want to get alienated from white life. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? It's a, it's a hard price to pay for white folks doing stuff like that, you know? And so, but the fact that he told him that, you know what I mean? I just can imagine the kind of environment my dad was working in, in you know, eighties, you know what I mean? In this, in this, in this mortgage company or whatever, being the only black person. So, 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 Brandon, are you cold switching at work? Uh, I t- listen. I tend to, <laughs> I tend, I tend to keep it, keep it uh, copacetic. You know, when I'm when I'm at work. You know, this is the first job I because policy schools are different from political science departments because they're professional schools. Because we teach uh, people to get MPAs, going to like government, city planners, urban urban planners, things like that. And so, this is the first job I ever had teaching. Well, I, like I actually wear business casual clothes, so I wear like some, you know, some cotton pants and a long sleeve shirt every day. This is the first job I ever I dressed like that because it's a professional school. Everybody else dressed like that, you know. And so, yeah, I, I go in and I. It's not that I. I guess I do. I, it is that I code switch, but I, I think more so <laughs> on the front of my mind. More so on the front of my mind is is that 
I'm not going to get a second chance. So I need to dot all my T's and, and, and dot all my I's and cross all my T's because I'm not going to get a second chance. I'm not, I don't have that kind of white boy uh, bounce back. And so I'm not going to get a second chance. So if something goes awry, they're going to get rid of me. I like that, that you know white boy I mean? bounce back. That's, <laughs> Yo, that's think, real. Think, think about it. I mean, think, literally, the Senate just gave Trump a white boy do-over. Like, oh, uh, yeah, you did do that, but, you know, we ain't going to kick you out. You know what I'm saying? It's just pretty, you know, you, you, you know, it's like it's like somebody said, "Oh yeah, you did bankrupt the branch, but you know, we're gonna give you another one. You try it again, or yeah. something like that." You know, it's, it's, it, you, we don't get them kind of white boy bounce backs. And so, like my my whole thing is, you know, for job security, I have to make sure that there are no misunderstandings. Right? I can't be too pushy. I can't be too, you know, aggressive with the with the, with the administrative staff. I have to be pleasant and non-threatening with other faculty members and things like that. I just, that's, that's forefront on my mind when interacting with people at my office, because I know that I don't get, I'm not going to get that bounce back. Yeah, definitely. Well, man, fellas, this is a great episode. I had a blast. Brandon, I, I really appreciate everything you contributed and Rizzy and Buff were right. You are a smart motherfucker. So, <laughs> dude, so, uh, so many bleeps. <laughs> yeah, bleep what it is. What it is. But man, and we I record re- on Sunday afternoon. I want y'all to look, everybody to know the work that I got to put in. This is uh, six forty-five p.m. on Sunday afternoon. Uh, I will have the uh, the oh, episode dropped at three o'clock in the morning. Oh my bad, I forgot about that. Well, I really appreciate you too, Rizzy. Then. Oh. So you, you my dude. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, definitely a great episode. Fellas, anything you want to wrap up with or leave the audience with? Let's start with Brandon. Uh, I would say it's a, it's a quote I really like. It says, um, just because you don't take an interest in politics doesn't mean politics won't take an interest in you. Right. I love that. So, Brandon, people were trying to get an interest in politics. Where do they need to start? Because I haven't been... I haven't taken American government since 19. I don't even know. I'm not even going to say the year because if it starts with a 19, that means it's been over 20 years ago. So, yeah, I mean, if you want to get more abreast in the politics, I would say the, the easiest way to go is like some kind of daily podcast. So, like, I listen, I listen to like a lot of different podcasts, but like the daily is good. If you want to just get a little see what's happening every day, uh, they do a great story and then they do at the end what you need to know for the day. So like the daily is a podcast you can listen to 30 minutes and you can kind of have a little info on the day. Uh, also, I think what got me into politics is reading biographies, presidential biographies, but you know, I may be a little different. So, I mean, that may be your bag or something like that. Reading books, written, you know, autobiographies and biographies of like political people. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think the easy route is to get your, find your podcast, a news podcast. That's a daily one. The daily is just Monday through Friday, so you don't have to listen on Saturday and Sunday. You get the weekend off. Well, that's what's up. Um, so, Tavares was correct. I, I did uh, say that Rising needed to introduce him as a smart mf Um, And that's because, you know, we've mentioned my other podcast, Politically Entertained, on here before, and Brandon was on there. And I have consistently said that about you, brother, like on episodes on that. that passed. A couple times, yeah. Yeah, and so... The reason I call you that is because there's a question I asked you about black on black crime and you knocked it out the park at the time, man. So 
That's why he is a, a smart mf to me, man. Uh, one of the smartest guys we had on that show, and now he's been on this one as well. So thank you for coming on. As always, guys, visit you know our social media pages, Instagram, Facebook, Three Brothers No Sense. Also, the merch. Listen, the merch gets to you fast. Like people who've ordered, they're getting their sweatsuits, I mean, sweatshirts and hoodies, T-shirts. They're getting it like a couple of days after they place the order. So, you know, that's how we do it on Three Brothers. So get that Nakers uh, hoodie. You know what I mean? We NWA, baby. We we got you. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm so excited about that one, man. I, uh, <laughs> when Byron was like, we need to make a Nakers with Attitude uh, shirt, I was like, let's do it, man. And um, so, yeah, <laughs> appreciate all the love on that one, all the responses on that. Um, The other thing... Ah, I forgot what else I was going to talk about. Now I got excited about this NWA thing. <laughs> <laughs> Just pass oh, well. it to Fur. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Go ahead, Fur. It's on you, man. Well, I want to thank all our listeners and our Facebook followers for being nope. uh, so so bought in and just contributing this last week. Uh, we we had an episode last week when we were talking about top three songs reminded us of our spouses and we had the the bright idea to create a a playlist a valentine's playlist and when i say that thing took off it started i think we dropped it tuesday morning and we started with maybe nine ten songs and by the end of the day we were well over a hundred and i have no idea what the count is so thanks to People like uh, my wife and Jenica and Tab, Angelita dropped probably 30, 40 songs. Uh, Susanna, you 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 dropped some some gems in there. Annie Barack Hussein Obama, whatever you, I still don't know your name on Facebook. You you had some gems, Charisse. I mean, we had so many people that were just dropping songs and I definitely appreciate it. I was traveling all last week and I listened to that playlist probably five, six hours, if not more. And I never replayed the same song. So that's how much music we had. So definitely appreciate it. Thank you guys for participating. Thank you just just for uh, allowing us into into your world and sharing us sharing your world with us because the best part for me with a playlist was hearing a song and trying to figure out who picked it. It was almost a guessing game for me. And it was a lot of them where I just, I felt like I got to know our listeners better through their music. So definitely thank you guys for participating and Brandon. I want to say thank you for coming on the show. We got to get you back on again. I promise to shut the hell up next time and let you talk more, man. Uh, Definitely. You have a lot to say and we definitely want to hear more back. So we'll probably bring you back closer once we have the Democratic nominee. Uh, I kind of put that out there. So hopefully the fellas don't punch me uh, later when I say that. But once again, thank you for coming. And this is Three Brothers No Sense. Remember the six rules of podcast. Listen, like, share, subscribe, comment, and most importantly, listen again. See you next week.